Act Two of Six Characters in Search of an Author. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Six Characters in Search of an Author, A Comedy in the Making, by Luigi Pirandello, translated by Edward Storer. Act Two. The stage call-bells ring to warn the company that the play is about to begin again. The stepdaughter comes out of the manager's office along with the child and the boy. As she comes out of the office she cries, "'Nonsense! Nonsense! Do it yourselves! I'm not going to mix myself up in this mess!' turning to the child and coming quickly with her onto the stage. "'Come on, Rosetta. Let's run!' The boy follows them slowly, remaining a little behind and seeming perplexed. The stepdaughter stops, bends over the child, and takes the latter's face between her hands. "'My little darling, you're frightened, aren't you? You don't know where we are, do you?' Pretending to reply to a question of the child. "'What is the stage? It's a place, baby, you know, where people play at being serious, a place where they act comedies.' We've got to act a comedy now, dead serious, you know, and you're in it also, little one." Embraces her, presses the little head to her breast, and rocking the child for a moment. Oh, darling, darling, what a horrid comedy you've got to play. What a wretched part they've found for you. A garden, a fountain. Look, just suppose, Kitty, it's here. Where, you say? Why, right here in the middle. It's all pretense, you know. That's the trouble, my pet. It's all make-believe here. It's better to imagine it, though, because if they fix it up for you, it'll only be painted cardboard. Painted cardboard for the rockery. The water. The plants. Ah, oh, but I think a baby like this one would sooner have a make-believe fountain than a real one, so she could play with it. What a joke it'll be for the others. But for you, alas, not quite such a joke. You who are real, baby dear, and really play by a real fountain that is big and green and beautiful, with ever so many bamboos around it that are reflected in the water, and a whole lot of little ducks swimming about. No, Rosetta, no, your mother doesn't bother about you on account of that wretch of a son there. I'm in the devil of a temper, and as for that lad— Seizes boy by the arm to force him to take one of his hands out of his pockets. What have you got there? What are you hiding? Pulls his hand out of his pocket, looks into it, and catches the glint of a revolver. Ah! Oh, where did you get this? The boy, very pale in the face, looks at her but does not answer. Idiot! If I'd been in your place instead of killing myself— I'd have shot one of those two, or both of them, father and son. The father enters from the office, all excited from his work. The manager follows him. Come on, come on, dear. Come here for a minute. We've arranged everything. It's all fixed up. If you please, young lady, there are one or two points to settle still. Will you come along? Following him towards the office. <sighs> What's the good, if you've arranged everything? The father, manager, and stepdaughter go back into the office again, off, for a moment. At the same time, the son, followed by the mother, comes out. 
looking at the three entering office. Oh, this is fine, fine. And to think I can't even get away. The mother attempts to look at him, but lowers her eyes immediately when he turns away from her. She then sits down. The boy and the child approach her. She casts a glance again at the son, and speaks with humble tones, trying to draw him into conversation. And isn't my punishment the worst of all? Then, seeing from the son's manner that he will not bother himself about her. My God, why are you so cruel? Isn't it enough for one person to support all this torment? Must you then insist on others seeing it also? The son, half to himself, meaning the mother to hear, however. And they want to put it on the stage, if there was at least a reason for it. He thinks he has got at the meaning of it all, just as if each one of us in every circumstance of life couldn't find his own explanation for it. He complains he was discovered in a place where he ought not to have been seen, in a moment of his life which ought to have remained hidden and kept out of the reach of that convention which he has to maintain for other people. And what about my case? Haven't I had to reveal what no son ought ever to reveal? How father and mother live and are man and wife for themselves, quite apart from that idea of father and mother which we give them. When this idea is revealed, our life is then linked at one point only to that man and that woman. And as such it should shame them, shouldn't it? The mother hides her face in her hands. From the dressing-rooms and the little door at the back of the stage, the actors and stage-manager return, followed by the property-man and the prompter. At the same moment the manager comes out of his office, accompanied by the father and the stepdaughter. Come on. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you there, machinist. Yes, sir? Fix up the white parlor with floral decorations. Two wings and a drop with a door will do. Hurry up. The machinist runs off at once to prepare the scene, and arranges it while the manager talks with the stage manager, the property man, and the prompter on matters of detail. The manager. To property man. Just have a look, and see if there isn't a sofa or divan in the wardrobe. There's the green one. No, no, green won't do. It was yellow, ornamented with flowers, very large, and most comfortable. No, there isn't one like that. It doesn't matter. Use the one we've got. Doesn't matter. It's most important. We're only trying it now. Please, don't interfere. To property man. See if we've got a shop window, long and narrowish. And the little table. The little mahogany table for the pale blue envelope. There's that little gilt one. That'll do fine. A mirror. And the screen. We must have a screen. Otherwise, how can I manage? That's all right, miss. We've got any amount of them. We want some clothes pegs, too, don't we? Yes, several, several. See how many we've got, and bring them all. All right. The property man hurries off to obey his orders. While he is putting the things in their places, the manager talks to the prompter, and then with the characters and the actors. Take your seat. Look here. This is the outline of the scenes, act by act hands him some sheets of paper. And now I'm going to ask you to do something out of the ordinary. Take it down in shorthand? Exactly. Can you do shorthand? Yes, a little. Good. Turning to a stagehand. 
Go and get some paper from my office. Plenty, as much as you can find. The stage hand goes off, and soon returns with a handful of paper which he gives to the prompter. You follow the scenes as we play them, and try and get the points down, at any rate the most important ones. Then addressing the actors. Clear the stage, ladies and gentlemen. Come over here. Pointing to the left. And listen attentively. But excuse me, we... Don't worry. You won't have to improvise. What have we to do, then? Nothing. For the moment, you just watch and listen. Everybody will get his part written out afterwards. At present, we're going to try the thing as best we can. They're going to act now. The father, as if fallen from the clouds into the confusion of the stage. We? What do you mean, if you please, by a rehearsal? A rehearsal for them. Points to the actors. But since we are the characters... All right, uh, characters, then, if you insist on calling yourselves such. But here, my dear sir, the characters don't act. Here, the actors do the acting. The characters are there, in the book. Pointing towards prompter's box. When there is a book. I won't contradict you, but, excuse me, the actors aren't the characters. They want to be. They pretend to be, don't they? Now, if these gentlemen here are fortunate enough to have us alive before them— Oh, this is grand. You want to come before the public yourselves, then? As we are. I can assure you, it would be a magnificent spectacle. What's the use of us here anyway, then? You're not going to pretend that you can act. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> there, you see, they are laughing at the notion. But, by the way, I must cast the parts. That won't be difficult. They cast themselves. To the second lady lead. You played the mother. To the father. We must find her a name. Amalia, sir. But that is the real name of your wife. We don't want to call her by her real name. Why ever not, if it is her name? Still, perhaps, if that lady must... Makes a slight motion of the hand to indicate the second lady lead. I see this woman here. Means the mother. As Amalia. But do as you like. Gets more and more confused. I don't know what to say to you. Already I begin to hear my own words ring false, as if they had another sound. Don't worry about it. It will be our job to find the right tones. And as for her name, if you want her, Amalia, Amalia it shall be. And if you don't like it, we'll find another. For the moment, though, we'll call the characters in this way. To juvenile lead. You are the son. To the leading lady. You naturally, are the stepdaughter. What? What? I, that woman there? <laughs> what is there to laugh at? Nobody has ever dared to laugh at me. I insist on being treated with respect. Otherwise, I go away. No, no, excuse me. I am not laughing at you. You ought to feel honored to be played by... That woman there. But I wasn't speaking of you. You know, I was speaking of myself, whom I can't see at all in you. That is all. I, I don't know 
but you aren't in the least like me. True. Here's the point. Look here, sir. Our temperaments, our souls. Temperament? Soul? Be hanged. Do you suppose the spirit of the peace is in you? Nothing of the kind. What? Haven't we our own temperaments? Our own souls? Not at all. Your soul, or whatever you like to call it, takes shape here. The actors give body and form to it, voice and gesture. And my actors, I may tell you, have given expression to much more lofty material than this little drama of yours, which may or may not hold up on the stage. But if it does, the merit of it, believe me, will be due to my actors. I don't dare contradict you, sir, but believe me, it is a terrible suffering for us who are as we are, with these bodies of ours, these features to see. Good heavens, the make-up will remedy all that, man, the make-up. Maybe, but the voice, the gestures. Now look here. On the stage, you, as yourself, cannot exist. The actor here acts you, and that's an end to it. I understand. And now I think I see why our author, who conceived us as we are, all alive, didn't want to put us on the stage after all. I haven't the least desire to offend your actors. Far from it. But when I think that I am to be acted by, I don't know by whom. By me, if you've no objection. Honoured, I assure you, sir. Bows. Still, I must say that, try as this gentleman may, with all his good will and wonderful art, to absorb me into himself. Oh, chuck it. Wonderful art. Withdraw that, please. The performance he will give, even doing his best with make-up, to look like me. It will certainly be a bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It will be difficult to act me as I really am. The effect will be rather, apart from the make-up, according to how he supposes I am as he senses me, if he does sense me, and not as I, inside of myself, feel myself to be. It seems to me, then, that account should be taken of this by every one whose duty it may become to criticise us. Heavens! <laughs> the man's starting to think about the critics now. Let them say what they like. It's up to us to put on the play, if we can. Looking around. Come on! Come on, is the stage set? To the actors and characters. Stand back. Stand back. Let me see. And don't let's lose any more time. To the stepdaughter. Is it all right as it is now? Well, to tell the truth, I don't recognize the scene. My dear lady, you can't possibly suppose that we can construct that shop of Madame Pace piece by piece here. To the father. You said a white room with flowered wallpaper, didn't you? Yes. Well, then, we've got the furniture right, more or less. Bring that little table a bit further forward. The stage hands obey the order. To property man. You go and find an envelope, if possible. A pale blue one. 
and give it to that gentleman indicates father an ordinary envelope yes yes an ordinary envelope at once sir exit ready everyone first scene the young lady the leading lady comes forward no no you must wait i meant her indicating the stepdaughter you just watch how i shall play it how i shall live it i shall live it also you may be sure as soon as i begin the manager with his hands to his head ladies and gentlemen if you please no more useless discussions scene one the young lady with madame pace oh looks around as if lost and this madame pace where is she she isn't with us sir oh then what the devil's to be done but she is alive too yes but where is she one minute let me speak turning to the actresses if these ladies would be so good as to give me their hats for a moment what, what? why what? what does he say <laughs> what are you going to do with the ladies hats <laughs> oh nothing i just want to put them on these pegs for a moment and one of the ladies will be so kind as to take off her mantle oh what do you think of that only the mantle he must be mad <laughs> but why, why? mantles as well. as well to hang them up here for a moment please be so kind will you the actresses taking off their hats one or two also their cloaks and going to hang them on the racks after all why not there you are there you are there you are, there you are. <laughs> this is really funny <laughs> we've got to put them on show exactly just like that on show mm. may we know why i'll tell you who knows if by arranging the stage for her she does not come here herself attracted by the very articles of her trade inviting the actors to look towards the exit at back of stage look look the door of the back of the stage opens and madame pace enters and takes a few steps forward she is a fat oldish woman with puffy oxygenated hair she is rouged and powdered dressed with a comical elegance and black silk round her waist is a long silver chain from which hangs a pair of scissors the stepdaughter runs over to her at once amid the stupor of the actors there she is there she is it's she i said so didn't i there she is <laughs> what sort of a trick is this what's going to happen next they've been holding her in reserve i guess a vulgar trick excuse me all of you why are you so anxious to destroy in the name of a vulgar commonplace sense of truth this reality which comes to birth attracted and formed by the magic of the stage itself which has indeed more right to live here than you since it is much truer than you if you don't mind my saying so which is the actress among you who is to play madame pace well here is madame pace herself and you will allow i fancy that the actress who acts her will be less true than this woman here who is herself in person you see my daughter recognized her and went over to her at once now you're going to witness the scene 
but the scene between the stepdaughter and Madame Pace has already begun despite the protest of the actors and the reply of the father. It has begun quietly, naturally, in a manner impossible for the stage. So when the actors, called to attention by the father, turn round and see Madame Pace, who has placed one hand under the stepdaughter's chin to raise her head, they observe her at first with great attention, but hearing her speak in an unintelligible manner their interest begins to wane. Well? Well? What does she say? One can't hear a word. Louder! Louder, please! The stepdaughter, leaving Madame Pace, who smiles a sphinx-like smile and advancing towards the actors. Louder? Louder? What are you talking about? These aren't matters which can be shouted at the top of one's voice. If I have spoken them out loud, it was to shame him and have my revenge, indicates father. But for Madame it is quite a different matter. Indeed. Indeed. But here, you know, people have got to make themselves heard, my dear. Even we who are on the stage can't hear you. What will it be when the public's in the theatre? And anyway you can very well speak up now among yourselves, since we shan't be present to listen to you as we are now. You've got to pretend to be alone in a room at the back of a shop where no one can hear you. The stepdaughter coquettishly and with a touch of malice makes a sign of disagreement two or three times with her finger. What do you mean by no? There's someone who will hear us if she... Indicating Madame Pace. Speaks out loud. What? Have you got someone else to spring on us now? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sir. She is alluding to me. I've got to be here. There, behind that door, in waiting. And Madame Pace knows it. In fact, if you will allow me, I'll go there at once, so I can be quite ready. Moves away. The manager, stopping him. No, wait. Wait. We must observe the conventions of the theatre. Before you are ready. No, get on with it at once. I'm just dying, I tell you, to act this scene. If he's ready, I'm more than ready. But, my dear young lady, we must have the scene between you and this lady. Indicates Madame Pace. Do you understand? Good heavens! She's been telling me what you know already. That Mama's work is badly done again, that the material's ruined, and that if I want her to continue to help us in our misery, I must be patient. Madame Pace, coming forward with an air of great importance. Yes, indeed, sir. I no want to take advantage of her. I no want to be hard. What? What? She talks like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's the way she talks. Half English, half Italian. Most comical it is. It seems not a very polite gentleman laugh at me if I try a best speak English. Diamine. Of course, of course, let her talk like that. Just what we want. Talk just like that, madam, if you please. The effect will be certain. Exactly what was wanted to put a little comic relief into the crudity of the situation. Of course, she talks like that. <laughs> Magnificent. Magnificent? Certainly. When certain suggestions are made to one in a language of that kind, the effect is certain, since it seems almost a joke. One feels inclined to laugh when one hears her talk about an old signore who wants to talk nicely with you. Nice old signore, eh, madame? 
Not so old, my dear, not so old. And even if you know like him, he won't make any scandal. The mother, jumping up amid the amazement and consternation of the actors who had not been noticing her, they moved to restrain her. You devil, you murderess! Calm yourself, mother, calm yourself. Please don't. Calm yourself. Don't get excited. Sit down now. Well, then, take that woman away out of my sight. It is impossible for my mother to remain here. They can't be here together. And for this reason, you see, that woman there was not with us when we came. If they are on together, the whole thing is given away inevitably, as you see. It doesn't matter. This is only a first rough sketch, just to get an idea of the various points of the scene, even confusedly. Turning to the mother and leading her to her chair. Come along, my dear lady. Sit down now, and let's get on with the scene. Meanwhile, the stepdaughter, coming forward again, turns to Madame Pace. Come on, madame. Come on. No, no, grazie. I not do anything with your mother present. Nonsense. Introduce this old signore who wants to talk nicely to me. Addressing the company imperiously. We've got to do this scene one way or another, haven't we? Come on. To Madame Pace. You can go. Ah, oh, yes. I go away. I go away. Certainly. Exits, furious. To the father. Now make your entry. No, you needn't go over here. Come here. Let's suppose you've already come in. Like that, yes. I'm here with bowed head, modest-like. Come on, out with your voice. Say, good morning, miss. In that peculiar tone. That special tone. Excuse me. But are you the manager, or am I? To the father, who looks undecided and perplexed. Get on with it, man. Go down there to the back of the stage. You needn't go off. Then come right forward, here. The father does as he is told, looking troubled and perplexed at first. But as soon as he begins to move, the reality of the action affects him, and he begins to smile and be more natural. The actors watch intently, quickly to the prompter in his box. Ready? Ready? Get ready to write now. Good afternoon, miss. The stepdaughter. Head bowed down slightly, with restrained disgust. Good afternoon. The father. Looks under her hat, which partly covers her face. Perceiving she is very young, he makes an exclamation, partly of surprise, partly of fear, lest he compromise himself in a risky adventure. Ah, uh, but, ah, uh, I say... This is not the first time that you have come here, is it? No, sir. You've been here before, eh? Then seeing her nod agreement. More than once. Waits for her to answer, looks under her hat, smiles, and then says. Well, then, there's no need to be so shy, is there? May I take off your hat? The stepdaughter, anticipating him and with veiled disgust. No, sir. I'll do it myself. Takes it off quickly. The mother, who watches the progress of the scene with the son and the other two children who cling to her, is on thorns, and follows with varying expressions of sorrow, indignation, anxiety, and horror the words and actions of the other two. From time to time she hides her face in her hands and sobs. <laughs> oh, my God! My God! Give it to me. I'll put it down. Takes hat from her hands. But a dear little head like yours ought to have a smarter hat. 
Come and help me choose one from the stock, won't you? I, I say, those are our hats, you know. Silence! Silence! Don't try and be funny, if you please. We're playing the scene now. I'd have you notice. Begin again, please. No, thank you, sir. Oh, come now. Don't talk like that. You must take it. I shall be upset if you don't. There are some lovely little hats here, and then Madame will be pleased. She expects it anyway, you know. No. No, I couldn't wear it. Oh, you're thinking about what they'd say at home if they saw you come in with a new hat. My dear girl, there's always a way round these little matters, you know. No, it's not that. I couldn't wear it because I am... As you see, you might have noticed. Showing her black dress. In mourning. Of course. I beg your pardon. I'm frightfully sorry. The stepdaughter, forcing herself to conquer her indignation and nausea. Stop. Stop. It's I who must thank you. There's no need for you to feel mortified or specially sorry. Don't think any more of what I've said. Tries to smile. I must forget that I am dressed so. Stop a minute. Stop. Don't write that down. Cut out that last bit. Fine. It's going fine. To the father only. And now you can go on as we arranged. To the actors. Pretty good scene, that, where he offers her the hat, eh? The best's coming now. Why can't we go on? Have a little patience. To the actors. Of course, it must be treated rather lightly. Still, with a bit of go in it. Of course, it's easy enough. Shall you and I try it now? Why, yes, I'll prepare my entrance. Exit in order to make his entrance. The manager, to leading lady. Uh, see here, the scene between you and Madame Pace is finished. I'll have it written out properly after. You remain here. Oh, where are you going? One minute, I want to put my hat on again. Goes over to hat-rack and puts her hat on her head. Good. You stay here with your head bowed down a bit. But she isn't dressed in black. But I shall be, and much more effectively than you. The manager, two-stepdaughter. Be quiet, please, and watch. You'll be able to learn something. Come on. Come on. Entrance, please. The door at rear of stage opens, and the leading man enters with the lively manner of an old gallant. The rendering of the scene by the actors from the very first words is seen to be quite a different thing, though it has not in any way the air of a parody. Naturally the stepdaughter and the father, not being able to recognize themselves in the leading lady and the leading man, who deliver their words in different tones and with a different psychology, express, sometimes with smiles, sometimes with gestures, the impression they receive. Good uh, afternoon, miss. No, no. The stepdaughter, noticing the way the leading man enters. <laughs> Silence! And you, please just stop that laughing. If we go on like this, we shall never finish. Forgive me, sir, but it's natural enough. This lady, indicating leading lady, stands there still. But if she is supposed to be me, I can assure you that if I heard anyone say, Good afternoon, in that manner, and in that tone, I should burst out laughing as I did. Yes, yes, the manner, the tone. Nonsense. 
Rubbish. Stand aside and let me see the action. If I've got to represent an old fellow who's coming into a house of an equivocal character... Don't listen to them. For heaven's sake, do it again. It goes fine. Waiting for the actors to begin again. Well? Good afternoon, miss. Good afternoon. Leading man, imitating the gesture of the father when he looked under the hat, and then expressing quite clearly first satisfaction and then fear. Ah, but... I say, this is not the first time that you have come here, is it? Good, but not quite so heavily. Like this. This isn't the first time that you've come here. And you say, no, sir. No, sir. You've been here before, more than once. No, no. Stop. Let her nod. Yes, first. You've been here before, eh? The leading lady lifts up her head slightly and closes her eyes as though in disgust. Then she inclines her head twice. The stepdaughter, unable to contain herself, Oh, my God! puts a hand to her mouth to prevent herself from laughing. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. <sighs> Go on. You've been here before, then, eh? Well, then, there's no need to be so shy, is there? May I take off your hat? The leading man says this last speech in such a tone and with such gestures that the stepdaughter, though she has had her hand to her mouth, cannot keep from laughing. I'm not going to stop here to be made a fool of by that woman there. Neither am I. I'm through with it. Silence. For once and all, I tell you. Forgive me. Forgive me. You haven't any manners. That's what it is. You go too far. Yes, it's true, but excuse her. Excuse what? It's absolutely disgusting. Yes, sir. But believe me, it has such a strange effect when... Strange? Why strange? Where is it strange? No, sir. I admire your actors, this gentleman here, this lady. But they are certainly not us. I should hope not. Evidently, they cannot be you if they are actors. Just so. Actors. Both of them act our parts exceedingly well. But, believe me, it produces quite a different effect on us. They want to be us, but they aren't all the same. What is it, then, anyway? Something that is, that is theirs, and no longer ours. But naturally, inevitably, I've told you so already. Yes, I understand, I understand. Well, then, let's have no more of it. Turning to the actors. We'll have the rehearsals by ourselves afterwards in the ordinary way. I never could stand rehearsing with the author present. He's never satisfied. Turning to father and stepdaughter. Come on, let's get on with it again, and try and see if you can't keep from laughing. Oh, I shan't laugh any more. There's a nice little bit coming for me now. You'll see. Well, then, when she says, Don't think any more of what I've said. I must forget, etc. You, addressing the father, come in sharp with, I understand, I understand. And then you ask her, What? Why she is in mourning. Not at all. See here? When I told him that it was useless for me to be thinking about my wearing mourning, do you know how he answered me? 
Ah, well, he said. Then let's take off this little frock. Oh, great. Just what we want. To make a riot in the theater. But it's the truth. What does that matter? Acting is our business here. Truth, up to a certain point, but no further. What do you want to do, then? You'll see. You'll see. Leave it to me. No, sir. What you want to do is to piece together a little romantic sentimental scene out of my disgust. Out of all the reasons, each more cruel and viler than the other, why I am what I am. He used to ask me why I'm in mourning, and I'm to answer with tears in my eyes that it is just two months since Papa died. No, sir, no. He's got to say to me, as he did say, Well, let's take off this little dress at once. And I, with my two months mourning in my heart, went there behind that screen and with these fingers tingling with shame. The manager, running his hands through his hair. Oh, for heaven's sake! What are you saying? The truth, the truth. It may be, I don't deny it, and I can understand all your horror. But you must surely see that you can't have this kind of thing on the stage. It won't go. Not possible, eh? Very well. I'm much obliged to you, but I'm off. Now, be reasonable. Don't lose your temper. I won't stop here. I won't. I can see you fixed it all up with him in your office. All this talk about what is possible for the stage. I understand. He wants to get at his complicated cerebral drama to have his famous remorses and torments acted. But I want to act my part. My part. Ah. Just your part. But if you will pardon me, there are other parts than yours. His. Indicating the father. And hers. Indicating the mother. On the stage. You can't have a character becoming too prominent and overshadowing all the others. The thing is to pack them all into a neat little framework, and then act what is actable. I am aware of the fact that everyone has his own interior life, which he wants very much to put forward. But the difficulty lies in this fact, to set out just so much as is necessary for the stage, taking the other characters into consideration, and at the same time hint at the unrevealed interior life of each. I am willing to admit, my dear young lady, that from your own point of view it would be a fine idea if each character could tell the public all his troubles in a nice monologue or a regular one-hour lecture. You must restrain yourself, my dear, and in your own interest, too, because this fury of yours, this exaggerated disgust you show, may make a bad impression, you know? After you have confessed to me that there were others before him at Madame Pace's, and more than once... The stepdaughter, bowing her head, impressed. 
It's true. But remember those others mean him, for me all the same. What? The others? What do you mean? For one who has gone wrong, sir. He who was responsible for the first fault is responsible for all that follow. He is responsible for my faults. Was, even before I was born. Look at him and see if it isn't true. Well, well. And does the weight of so much responsibility seem nothing to you? Give him a chance to act it, to get it over. How? How can he act all his noble remorses, all his moral torments, if you want to spare him the horror of being discovered one day, after he had asked her what he did ask her, in the arms of her, that already fallen woman, that child, sir, the child he used to watch come out of school. The mother at this point is overcome with emotion and breaks out into a fit of crying. <laughs> All are touched. A long pause. The stepdaughter, as soon as the mother becomes a little quieter, adds resolutely and gravely, At present we are unknown to the public. Tomorrow you will act us as you wish, treating us in your own manner. But do you really want to see drama? Do you want to see it flash out as it really did? Of course. That's just what I do want. So I can use as much of it as possible. Well, then, ask that mother there to leave us. No, no, don't permit it, sir. Don't permit it. But it's only to try it. I can't bear it. I can't. But since it has happened already, I don't understand. It's taking place now. It happens all the time. My torment isn't a pretended one. I live and feel every minute of my torture. Those two children there, have you heard them speak? They can't speak any more. They cling to me to keep my torment actual and vivid for me. But for themselves they do not exist. They aren't any more. And she, indicating stepdaughter, has run away. She has left me and is lost. If I now see her here before me, it is only to renew for me the tortures I have suffered for her too. The eternal moment. She, indicating the stepdaughter, is here to catch me, fix me and hold me eternally in the stocks for that one fleeting and shameful moment of my life. She can't give it up, and you, sir, cannot either fairly spare me it. I never said I didn't want to act it. It will form, as a matter of fact, the nucleus of the whole first act, right up to her surprise. Indicates the mother. Just so. This is my punishment the passion in all of us that must culminate in her final cry i can hear it still in my ears it's driven me mad that cry you can put me on as you like it doesn't matter fully dressed if you like provided i have at least the arm there because standing like this she goes close to the father and leans her head on his breast with my head so and my arms round his neck. I saw a vein pulsing in my arm here, 
And then, as if that live vein had awakened disgust in me, I closed my eyes like this, and let my head sink on his breast. Turning to the mother. Cry out, mother, cry out. Barry's head in father's breast, and with her shoulders raised as if to prevent her hearing the cry, adds in tones of intense emotion. Cry out as you did then. The mother, coming forward to separate them. No! My daughter! My daughter! And after having pulled her away from him. You brute! You brute! She is my daughter! Don't you see she's my daughter? The manager, walking backwards towards footlights. Fine. Fine. Damned good. And then, of course, curtain. The father, going towards him excitedly. Yes, of course, because that's the way it really happened. Oh, yes. No doubt about it. Curtain here. Curtain! At the reiterated cry of the manager, the machinist lets the curtain down, leaving the manager and the father in front of it before the footlights. The darned idiot. <laughs> I said curtain to show the act should end here, and he goes and lets it down in earnest. To the father, while he pulls the curtain back to go on to the stage again. Yes, yes, it's all right. Effect certain. That's the right ending. I'll guarantee the first act, at any rate. End of Act Two